to The Content Lab, the weekly podcast for content marketers about the strategies and tools you need to create addictive content your audience will love. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, Impact's Director of Web and Interactive Content. Hi, Zach. Hello. So you are the Impact Director of Video Training and Strategy, right? The Director of Video Training and Strategy. And you didn't get to make fun of me because I said it correctly. You said it perfectly, actually. What's up? It's all about those elocution lessons. Yes. So, for those who don't know who you are and what it means to be the director of video training and strategy, what is it that you do every day for Impact? So, essentially, I work with all of our consulting clients. Mm -hmm. So, clients that come to us, they want to insource their video production. They want to they want to establish a real video culture mm-hmm. within their organizations. I work with them on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. I go out and I teach workshops at our clients' locations, and I go and just speak and spread the good news that is video marketing and sales. You said something interesting there, establishing a video culture. What does that mean? A video culture to us means that everyone in the organization sees how video is going to induce more trust Mm-hmm. and make their job easier. Whether it's marketing, sales, service, leadership, any of the following, mm-hmm. uh, they, they use and see video as the best tool to uh, be a visual educator. Mm-hmm. Um, so this could take many forms. I've seen where an auto mechanic uh, is sending a one-to-one go video to the uh, person who owns the vehicle and they're showing them what they're inspecting right Mm -hmm. that is that is culture that is truly ingrained into the culture of this auto shop Mm -hmm. and then we obviously know the examples of of marketing and sales uh sales primarily using video to gain trust early on in the sales process so that the prospect sees hears and therefore knows us before Mm -hmm. we see here know them so that's what we mean when we say culture it's fully ingrained across the entire organization. So that brings me to why I really wanted you to join me today. So one of the things that you've heard me talk about is that I'm really pushing myself to be more video forward. Because I just historically as a person, as soon as somebody tells me this is the next big thing, this is the thing that you need to be doing, I immediately just don't want to do it out of spite. Like I don't think I saw Garden State for 10 years just because everybody told me how great it was. And then finally 10 years, I'm like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not too bad. Okay. You guys were right. Wonderful. Um, but, you know, I've always thought with a, a written word mindset first. I've always led with writing and that's how I began my career as a content manager. It's how I began my career before I was even in inbound as publishing. Like I've always been a writer first. And the reality is, is that, you know, video marketing isn't the future. It's here. It's been here. It's not going anywhere. And so I wanted to talk to you today about why it's so important to have that video culture. And I want to start this conversation by asking you, what is it about video that establishes trust so much better than any other medium. So, and to your point about the written word, Mm -hmm. I actually started my career as a content manager, so to speak, writing a lot of copy. No kidding. I had no idea. And uh, so I love, I actually love writing. Mm -hmm. Of course, nowadays I'd rather make a video than write just because (laughs) it's something that I'm focused on. And so video 
video really can piggyback off of written copy in a lot of ways. Oftentimes, our clients are uh, writing about a topic first and then they'll record the video because now it's top of mind. Mm -hmm. But the reason that video is quote unquote better at mm -hmm. getting trust is because there's more uh, there's more happening. So the viewer can now see the face of somebody, they can hear their voice, and therefore really truly feel like they know them. And familiarity is is a huge tool for earning trust. Mm -hmm. um, it's if you break it down to a scientific level, it's simply more data. So our brains are taking in more data than just the written word. Now you've got all these auditory and visual things that are happening that you're processing. It's the reason why social video is so popular because we are essentially able to download much more data in a small, shorter amount of time than uh, with text. I didn't even think of it that way. I always thought, and maybe this is part of it, I always thought of it as you know, we, we get so used to, there's a bit of a sterility that can come with the written word. You know, you can give someone like 3,000 words on, you know, how to write a piece of pillar content. Or you can have a video where somebody's explaining it to you too. And just subconsciously, you're just building more of a personal connection because it's a human being on the other side. Right. As opposed to just flat language on a piece of paper or on a screen. Right. It, and I would assume that's why you, and I, I know also Marcus Sheridan talks about this, about the importance of companies needing to become essentially media companies. Right. Like it doesn't matter if you sell pools or if you are an agency or if you make toothbrushes, you still also in a way need to be a media company now. That's right. Why is that? So when we talk about being a media company, if you look at the, the report that Cisco put out some years ago, they keep updating it every year. Mm -hmm. But essentially, there's this really compelling stat that shows that consumers are very much favoring video content. They're saying that 80% of the content that consumers are going to be watching is going to be video-based content. So when we say uh, becoming a media company, it's a matter of how do we show it better than anybody else? Show what? Well, that's a good question. So uh, how do we show our process better than anybody else? How do we show um, and tell about uh, the things that nobody else is willing to talk about? Cost, uh, problems, how do we uh, show these things visually, communicate them visually? And, uh, you know, in, in our minds, everybody, like you're saying, needs to be a media company that happens to do something else. So, we impact our media company that happens to specialize in inbound marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. uh, going to your toothbrush example, you're a media company that happens to make toothbrushes. Um, but our ability to show it, whatever it is, whatever the consumer needs to see in order to earn that trust, uh, figure out which product or service is best for them, and that's, what, that's really what we mean. That statistic from Cisco always blows my mind because I think it's by 2022, what is it, 80% of content that's being digested by consumers will be video. So my question then is, are, are we talking about a scenario where video replaces the written word or do you view, view them as cohabitating? What, what is the relationship and how does the written word evolve in terms of your content mix? 
it's hard for me to speculate exactly where we're going uh, and what consumers are going to want. What I can say is not going to replace it. I have seen where so let's let's break it down to a tactical level for SEO, right? So we need these search engines to be suggesting our content. We need these search engines to pick us up as the primary thought leader, whatever. We want to be the ones educating the consumer. We've got a couple different ways of doing that. We can do it with written, we can do it with video. Now, you are going to have a certain benefit of including video on major product service pages and your blogs because now it's increasing the time on page, right? And therefore, it's going to help you rank. But also, you, with the written word, have all of these things that are being indexed by the search engine to, uh, to help that return for more queries. Now, the argument can be made that a video has captions on it and it's the same thing, but it's not always the same thing. Um, I think that the two will always be, they'll always be necessary. If you went to a website that only had videos, you'd be pretty disappointed. A little bit, yeah. And I've actually seen examples of this actually happening where people are have gone so full bore on video that they forgot that you know sometimes it's just nice to quickly read stuff mm -hmm. uh, from a user experience standpoint um and and on the same token you could have way too much written content and not, so i'd say these two pieces of media are both necessary they both fill different needs uh and yeah i don't think it's gonna replace it at all yeah it, it, i would also say as someone who specializes in the written word, there are certain contexts where it comes down to something that we always talk about. What, what is the intent of the searcher? Which is essentially, what does somebody expect to find once they get there? Or what is it that they really need? Right. So recently I published a piece of pillar content that was about how to create a content style guide. It's massive. It is very detail oriented. It requires lots of visuals and it's meant to be a reference that people go back to a lot. And that's a piece of content where you could probably augment it with some videos to walk through certain parts of the process. But because of the detail, it needs to be written down. It needs to be something where people don't have to go back and say, wait, what is that? A two minute mark where she talks about that? Like, the, I think there are certain contextual cases where depending on what it is that you're trying to communicate, you really need to critically think about what is the best way to communicate it. Man. Not necessarily somebody said video is the thing I'm supposed to be doing, so I'm going to make a video out of it. This is the content lab right here. That's this what's is up. amazing. This is amazing. We're scientists. That's what's happening. Yes. So what are some of your favorite types of videos that you've seen a lot of success with? Because I've, I've seen you talk about things like, you know, 80% videos and other types, you know, yeah. what are some of the videos that organizations agnostic to whatever it is that they sell or do yeah. should be looking at? Well, you've got two separate kind of use cases. Mm -hmm. You've got marketing, you've got sales, both lead to revenue, but they're different. They're different in the way that you're communicating things. So um, the ones that I, that I really see have the biggest impact uh, on the marketing side is addressing major customer questions around cost, problems, and comparisons. Seem to be the biggest three that have a major impact. Uh, so we are educating consumers really well on the factors that uh, affect cost in the industry or with your product or with your service. We're addressing problems uh, with the product or with the company or with the industry. 
and work in addressing what people want to compare. Very, yeah. A very primitive example of this would be Samsung versus iPhone, right? We search, we compare things side by side. Uh, in your industry, whatever your product service is, there's comparisons somewhere. You, you look hard enough, there's comparisons. Uh, now from, uh, and those are part of the big five as well. So if you've read the Ask You Answer, that's straight out of the big five. Uh, the big five are topics that we know people are searching for all the time. Yeah. Now, if you look at the sales use case, the ones that I'm really obsessed over and the ones that I see have the biggest impact are the 80% video, which uh, from a very high level, the 80% video is called the 80% video because if you were to go to most sales teams and you were to ask them, out of all the questions that are asked during the first sales appointment, what percentage of those questions are the same? I do this exercise all the time. It's funny. It's always the same answer. It's somewhere around 70, 90%. So we just split the difference and we call it the 80% video. <laughs> and the real question is, if you know what these questions are and they're the questions you are asked every time, why are you waiting until the first sales appointment to address them? What would be, what would be the true impact if you, and, and likely as you're thinking about these questions, you know what these questions are right now as you're listening to this podcast. Uh, what would be the power of addressing those before the first sales appointment? The sales appointment would be shorter. Now the prospect has seen, uh, heard, and now knows you. And so there's more trust. And it's just a powerful, it's just, first of all, it's common sense that you would want to do this. Uh, but by putting a name and putting some practice behind it, implementing the sales process, huge impact. Second video in the sales process that has the biggest impact is just one-to-one -one personalized videos using GoVideo, Soapbox. I know it's not a type of video, but it truly does have a very big impact, especially, and these are the stories that I love reading, for lost deals or contacts that have just gone cold, reaching back out with a personalized video. It's right now it's just like the shock and awe of it because most people haven't seen that technology yet and people are just blown away. Uh, so those are those are the ones I'm really obsessed with in 2019, the 80% video and one-to-one -one personalized video. The thing I always love about the 80% video is that when I think about it within the context of a sales conversation, it, it, it does what you say it does, but the, the, the benefit of that is that the, the next conversation you have with somebody after they watch an 80% video becomes about, <coughs> it becomes about you talking about their challenges and their problems rather than, than them asking these, you know, sort of probative, but honestly generic answers. Like these are the same answers you're going to give to everybody regardless as to who they are. Mm -hmm. So automatically that sales conversation becomes much more valuable because it's tailored to them, their needs, what they're looking for. That's right. They're coming to you with questions that are now based on their situation as opposed to just trying to get to know you. That's right. So just to walk through an example, I know you did an 80% video that's about the video marketing onsite training that you do. Yep. So can you give an example of some of the questions that you answer within that video? Mm -hmm. So people kind of understand what it is that they should be addressing in them yeah the major questions that we knew and so in practice you are going to take the top seven to ten questions so that's exactly what we did for the video on-site training and those major questions are uh, who's, a, who's a great fit for this how much does this cost uh, how does it work like what's actually going to happen uh, when is a good time to have it? They are, uh, it's, it's mainly the who, what, why, and how that most folks are going to want to know before they even consider am I a great fit for this or not. Uh, 
And so that particular video has been great for me. I mean, immediate, <laughs> an immediate impact on our uh, process for qualifying folks for this workshop because they, they watch this video. Now my first contact with them is just figuring out, is this, is this gonna be good for you? Like, let's talk about your specific situation, like you're saying. That's interesting too, because isn't one of the questions that you address, am I a good fit for, yes. the, for the on-site training? And that, that's always one of those questions I find that businesses, whether we're talking about video or written word or smoke signals or carrier pigeons, like however you're disseminating your content, yeah. I always find it very interesting that people are so afraid to address that fit question. You know, they don't want to turn anybody off. Right. And it's so important, I think, to really address that up front. Here's the thing, too. So when we talk about who we're not a good fit for, disqualifying bad, uh, like bad fit leads mm -hmm. or prospects is only a, is really a fringe benefit. That's not the primary objective. The primary objective when you're saying who you're not a good fit for is to endear yourself even more to people who you are a good fit for. How does that work? So <clears throat> essentially it's like if you break down the psychology of it, what usually happens when somebody tells you you shouldn't do something. You, I want to do it. You want to do it even painful. more. Uh, now that's just a general, you know, that's generally speaking, that's kind of how we are as humans. Don't touch the button. Okay. Yes. Touch the button. Exactly. But the fact is, it can endear us to prospects because it's, it's us showing we're not just like everybody else. We're willing to say who we're not a good fit for. We are willing to say that we aren't great for everybody. And we want you to know that. And that builds a level of trust in a marketplace where it's unique. Uh, you don't even have to address this really well, but you just have to talk about it as best you can. But it shows that you're going to be helpful, that you're not like everybody else, that you really want to work with people who you are a great fit for, you're not for everybody. And disqualifying those bad prospects is only just a fringe benefit of it. It's not really meant to, it's not meant to save you sales conversations by, well, if, if they watch this, hopefully they'll disqualify themselves. It's really not the purpose of it. Hmm. So what's interesting about this, taking a step back and looking at how video has become a part of the content conversation. I remember before video kind of splashed onto the scene or however we want to articulate it, we really talked about content in the context of education. Right. And what's been fascinating is that now that we've introduced video into the mix, I've noticed that there is an equitable amount of weight being placed on content needing to not only educate, but establish trust. Yeah. Why do you think that is? There's a vast amount of content out there at this point. It's our ability to be the best educators that really lead to that trust. I don't know, I don't necessarily know why the market has changed. I think it's changed out of, out of necessity that, you know, years ago you could rely on user reviews for things. You could rely on the first result on Google that popped up. There was, there was just less access to information. Now that there's so much access to so much information, we now have the ability to choose from companies that help us feel a certain way, that, that we really do like. Uh, we are more critical of websites, more critical of content, more critical of 
communication and conversations. And so I think that is, it's just how the, the, <laughs> the world has changed. The market has changed so much access to information. Now we have the luxury of choosing companies that we really trust and feel good about. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to, I mean, like, let's just take a, a step outside the marketing bubble. You know, there is so much emphasis, whether you're looking at the news or politics specifically, about where people are getting very nervous about where their sources of information come from. Yeah. And we talk, we used to talk very glibly about that idea of a single source of truth. And I think now that's becoming a lot more challenging. Yeah. And it, you know, we were talking about this earlier when we were filming a video about how when we think about really what it means to be the best educators and the ones who are the most helpful, a lot of that means now you need to be more vulnerable. You need to be more willing to say, you know, I'm not just going to give you a high level. I'm going to give you everything. Yeah. Like I've done my job. If you literally do not need me and never give me a dime, yeah. it'd be great if maybe you wanted to talk more or have more questions. But I've noticed that in order to establish more trust, even though consumers are going out of their way to put more barriers, technology or otherwise, you know, to the point where people can buy cars from vending machines at this point, yeah. literally with Carvana, you know, they're, they're going out of their way to put more distance between themselves and other human beings, but their demand for more human to human connections from brands is is go is is much more like they need it more. That's a really great point. Which is it's it's strange. It's counterintuitive. I want to be farther from you, but now I'm demanding more of you from a human to human connection standpoint. So I think it creates this weird kind of chasm for brands. Like, I want you to love me, but you keep running away. Yeah. <laughs> Hug me from over here. <laughs> um, so here's my. I have a lot of questions about this. And I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example because when I talk to a lot of people about video, they think it's a great idea until somebody points the finger at them and goes, you, you do it. Yeah. And it's scary. You know, you know, I, I how do you, how do you talk to marketers and make video accessible for them if they don't have the budget or they're a one person shop? Or they're scared. Like, there are all these little reasons why I've noticed when they pile up. There's never one single reason why a marketer or an organization doesn't do video. It's usually, like, 50 tiny reasons yeah. that all pile up. And how do you give someone, like, a clear starting point? How do they put one foot in front of the other to just do it? Well, I mean, to so from a fundamental level, getting buy-in to begin with, that, you need to see where this is really going to change things. So, uh, you know, oftentimes, let's say sales is the first place where we're going to implement video into a company. We have to, uh, we have to all come under an understanding that if we don't do this well, we're in trouble. We need to do this well. This is critical. Uh, and all of a sudden excuses disappear uh, from a marketing standpoint <clears throat> it's the same thing uh, if we don't get good with this technology now we're not going to be generating the quality leads that we need for years to come uh, but if we do it exceptionally well then uh, we're going to have buku leads and uh, we're all going to be happy uh, and all of a sudden excuses disappear so I think from a fundamental level, if we understand how uh, necessary this is, 
the barrier of entry into video marketing or video sales is actually not that big at all. You can you can say, yeah, but we're gonna have to buy equipment. That's or, a lie. Or yeah, but we're gonna have to um, learn how to be super proficient at video editing. Or yeah, but we're gonna have to set up a studio. These are they're, they're, these are lies. <laughs> they're not true. Uh, you don't need any of that to get started. You literally can pull out your phone and you can make a video explaining something to your consumer right now. And it would be better than nothing. Uh, so when we talk about getting started, it's, it's um, like you're saying, just put one foot in front of the other and it will, everything will fall into place. Yeah, I, one of the things that I've been trying to do is one of the biggest hurdles I had was myself. I didn't, I, I, for some reason when I get on a stage and I, and I talk and I present, I can kind of forget that, you know, there's a camera there or there are a bunch of people there. Like it's all about the energy in that room and I feed off of that and I can read what the other side is receiving and how they're receiving. And, you yeah. know, if a certain joke is landing versus a joke, in, you know, or a joke that is, or however, I know how to pivot and adjust. Yeah. And with a video, it is just, there's, there's no reaction. It's, it's dead space on the other end. It's just you. Right. And mentally, I didn't really know how to fill that void. Yeah. So one of the things I've been doing is I've been purposefully going out of my way to make a video for pretty much anything, like anything, even yeah. if it's not work related. So, I'm in a, I chair the communications committee for Junior League of Annapolis, and I send all of my updates via video. And what's really cool is you mentioned it earlier, Vidyard Go Video is this fantastic Chrome extension where if you have a webcam, whether that's embedded in your laptop or it's separate, that's all you really need. And you just keep doing it over and over and that's over right. again. Like any excuse to put yourself on video, do it. Any email you're going to write, make it a video and yeah. that will really get over that at least that mental barrier for me and now i've started putting videos in my blogs which is horrifying but you know yeah. <laughs> it, it's scary it is really scary and you just kind of get better with it over time yeah and it's i think the interesting thing about video is it 100 percent typifies that there are always the, that saying of there are always a thousand reasons not to do something yeah and you know the funny thing is with technology now like Go video that makes it so easy to record and send content. I mean, you're talking, you can make a great video addressing a, a common consumer question and have it published in less than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. All with your webcam, technology you already have. Done. Done. Video's done. Now, some uh, some folks might say, well, that's our, you know, our brand needs something more polished than that. Or, uh, once again, more excuses. Mm -hmm. Who told you that? Like, <laughs> like, who told you that that is what you need to do? It, it's, it, it's actually uh, better in a lot of cases to not buy into these things that the production needs to be perfect, the dialogue needs to be perfect, the messaging needs to be perfect, I need to be wearing the right thing, my hair needs to be right. Like, it's actually more endearing to a lot of people to just show this is, I'm just here to help, you know? So that's totally, you know, I could rant on this topic forever to like just, just get started. 
but the technology is more accessible than it's ever been. The, the, the barrier of entry is lower than it's ever been in terms of cost and resources. Um, you just have to, uh, you just have to figure out what's going to be really valuable for me to make and just start making that stuff. That's, that's really, that's it. No, and all you have to do is experiment too. You know, yeah. like you just need to put yourself out there and start doing it. And, and to your point, I've heard this from both you and Mariah Anderson, who's our client success specialist, who I think is like the most educated person I have ever met on creating one-to-one personalized videos in a yeah. sales scenario. She's an absolute genius. Yeah. And one of the things that she always preaches about, and as do you, is that you don't, those types of videos, especially if it's a one-to-one, or even if it's a video that's going to be embedded in a blog article that walks through stuff, it shouldn't sound like Stepford Wife perfect. Yeah. Because then you're not a human being. Right. You know, you, I remember one of the first coaching things you ever told me is like, if you mess up, you keep going. You just keep going, riff on it, figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. And it, it's so true because you just want to sound like yourself. You want to be like yourself. Exactly right. It's like how we coach people in writing. You know, just talk how you write. We'll figure it out. Like don't yeah. don't try to sound like somebody else. Exactly. And, and 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 ultimately, that allows people to get to know you better, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up Mariah because Mariah has sent hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of one-to-one videos at this point. She's a super genius. She's awesome. Uh, she's very talented. And she learned all of this from experience. Like how to be really great with these videos. She has learned from, from practicing it and, mm-hmm. and, and doing it. She's taught herself by immersing herself in it. Uh, which is interesting to me because like you look around, there's a lot of information out there now about how to make these one-to-one videos really great. Some of it's good, some of it's not. You know, not what's the worst piece of advice out there that you wish people would stop listening to? Uh, I mean, you brought up a great one using a script. Like, I mean, I yeah. Don't get me started on scripts because I I, <laughs> I do not believe in scripts. Um, stuff like that. Stuff like I don't know. It, we're trying to take this great technology that's easy to use and put these stipulations on it that you need. Yeah, but to make this really great, you're gonna need. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's not true. Uh, and if it, like, we all have common sense. If you're reading this type of information or hearing about it, you're like, yeah, but that would make more work. It's probably not a good piece of advice because literally, this is meant to create less work. Um, but anybody could do what Mariah did, right? Like I said, she's exceptionally talented. Uh, and anyone could learn everything she knows, become a super wizard genius at sending one-to-one video in their particular market by just starting to send them. Just doing it. And it's an audience of one. Like each video you send is typically an audience of one person. You get better and better and better and better as you go. Yeah, and you learn each time with it. And I like the point that you brought up about scripting. I think the farthest I ever go with scripting is, and maybe it's just the writer or the editor in me, is sometimes I will just write down these are the X points I want to hit. Yeah. It'll be short form. It may just be three words, and, and this is the order I want to hit them. Yeah. I want to introduce myself. I want to say what I'm talking about. I'm going to say these two things. I'm going to say, if you have more questions, let me know. And I'll even just say it out loud in that order. I won't say the words I'm going to use because then I feel like it becomes overly rehearsed. Right. 
But I'll say, you know, first I'm going to introduce myself. And then I'm going to say, this is the blog article title or whatever. Yeah. And I found that it, that is really helpful in terms of organizing my thoughts because I actually used to script when I first started. That was the first lesson I had to learn very much the hard way. Yeah. Because what's funny about scripting is what you'll end up doing is kind of putting it up in front of you and you think nobody will notice. But it becomes very clear when your eyes keep darting off of camera that you are just reading something. And that is a very quick way to take one of the most authentic ways of communicating with somebody yeah. and making it seem completely inauthentic and fake. That's right. So it, I, I really got nervous about letting that go and being overly rehearsed, but it, it makes it easier. It's actually helped me a lot not in the video context because you just become more comfortable with your thoughts. Yeah. You become more comfortable riffing and yeah. talking and just kind of going with the flow. I had my... Uh, cat pumpkin crashed a video once. <laughs> I'm like, we're just gonna let this ride. Yeah. But yes, this is my cat pumpkin. She's to. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, she's cute. <laughs> you know what's funny um, is a, a technique that I learned about speech writing called stage to page. It's an improv technique where essentially, rather than sitting down and writing your speech, you you just riff your speech out loud and allow like a transcription mm -hmm. thing like. Uh, Rev, Rev, or, Rev is or, a great or Dragon Go, I think is another one. I've heard of that one. But it'll 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 record everything, and now once you've done the stage portion, meaning you were improving everything, now you go to page, which is editing what you said. Now the funny thing that happens is that now you're editing something that's conversational in the way that you would actually say it, and over time me using this practice has made me a better writer. I can write more conversationally because I know how I would say it out loud. That's interesting. Right? So, so, uh, and you would, you would do the same thing in essence, if you're doing one-to-one -one video or any, any kind of video over time, you would learn how, you know, you'd have a framework. I know what I want to say at what times. And, uh, I know what kind of quick bullet points I'm going to need to, to just riff on this. And I know, how, like now I know how to explain things really well just because I've done this so many times. It's the same thing. It's just flexing the muscle. You know, getting the muscle memory down, and then you're golden. So, last question. I would like to think that there are some people out there who are like me six months ago, and honestly, me sometimes periodically throughout the week. Yeah. Who sometimes just get terrified. Yeah. You know, they get nervous with the idea of video. What is one thing that they can do today where they don't have to go to anybody else or ask for buy-in? or do anything, one thing that they can challenge themselves to do that would get them started with video or make them feel more confident. And with produced video or? Any kind. Any kind. Just the, I, just the concept of video in general. Yeah. I would, so you're rolling solo. I would make a bio video of yourself. What's a bio video? So a bio video is, it's a piece of content that is meant to help people get to know you before they know you. They can see your face, they can hear your voice, therefore they feel like they know you much more than if, if, if um, they've never heard you before or they've never met you. And this isn't something that requires any sort of prep work, really. Um, we at Impact have a great script template for this, if you'd like it, that has a lot of <laughs> great questions that you could answer instead bio video. 
I'll include it in the show notes. But there is, uh, you wouldn't need any sort of buy-in or additional resources or anything like that. You could pull up Go Video today. It's free. You could record your bio video. You could slap it in your email signature. And now you've got something, you've got proof of concepts that you can show to sales or any other person in your, in your organization. Let's say you're, you're just you. Now it's going to give you uh, more confidence of, now people are actually watching my video and they're enjoying it and now I can do more of this. But it's, that is the quickest thing you could, you could do it in an afternoon and immediately start using it. It doesn't require prep or buying or anything. There are two things I love about Go Video the most. Um, Cause I used Wistia Soapbox for a really long time. Yeah. And I was one of the last few, even though we, we started using Vidyard more as an organization, I was still like, holding on, I wouldn't let go. Yeah. But the one feature that sold me on Vidyard was the restart button. Because <laughs> like, there, there are times when you you can push through, and then there are times where it's just like complete nonsense coming out of your mouth, and yeah. you just kind of have to like regroup and come back. Yeah. The other one too, and this is a way that I got really comfortable with video, is I started doing walkthroughs. As videos so one of the cool things about whether you're talking about Wistia soapbox or you're talking about Vidyard go video is they both have a feature where you can do what's called a screen share yeah I, I like the Vidyard go video one better because in the bottom left hand corner it has a bubble with your face still on it so it remains personal whereas with Wistia your face is gone it's just a it's just a voiceover so that was something where I felt like it was really easy to walk through a presentation or something I was sending over like a new report um, that was really helpful Wait, the bio of it is, yeah, that was what we were doing today. That was yes. challenging, but fun. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is funny because I think the reason that it's challenging is because of stuff that we don't usually talk about. Like, I don't talk about myself that often <laughs> or explain my methodology behind things. Or, uh, so it's, it's, it's a unique scenario, but it's fun because you get the chance to explore these things that you don't typically explore and you're introducing yourself to an audience that you don't know yet. Oh, speaking of which, real last question. Just thought of it. I'm going to put you on the spot. Think of it like Liz's revenge. Let's do it. What's your secret sauce, Zach? Question Mars. mark. This is it <laughs> For backstory, this is a question he asked me earlier today filming my bio video, and I almost fell out of my chair because I, I don't know. Jeez. I've, I've got secret sauce for you. So I... To become uh, a great communicator and great with video and great with consulting and all these things, my secret sauce is devoting myself to education, ongoing education, all the time. All the time. And I'm obsessed with knowing things. I want to know the, the right way. I want to know the wrong way. I want to know everything in between. My, that, that's like... It sounds silly, but my, my secret sauce is like relying on YouTube and Google to teach me. Really? And so like I've, I've self-taught myself so many things in my career and it has now made me a thought leader in a lot of areas because I've just, I've been able to pick out the good stuff and, and pick out the bad stuff and leave it aside and now apply those things in real world scenarios. And now I have my own case studies, my own, you know, tests and things that I've run um, but yeah I mean I, I don't know if that's much of a secret but it it's I guess it's my secret sauce is your secret sauce yeah 
It's the cheese whiz that makes everything awesome. Yes, it Sweet. is. Sweet. So if people have questions about video or just want to get to know more about you, how can people get in contact with you? The best thing that you could do after watching or listening to this podcast would be to go find the Film School for Marketers YouTube channel and the private Film School for Marketers Facebook group where we talk a lot about insourcing video, the uh, struggles and the wins and all of that great stuff. And if you are interested, we are launching, myself and Mariah Anderson, the Film School for Marketers podcast. I'm so excited. I wish I could say y'all the first to hear it. Uh, I, I dropped that little nugget on the Hubcast recording, so they were the first to hear it. But this is the second group to hear it, and we would love to have many of you come and hang out with us on the Film School for Marketers podcast. That is starting in February, and I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited about it. What, what are some of the topics you're going to be talking about? We're going to talk about video culture. We're going to talk about one-to-one video. We're going to talk about content strategy. Anything that uh, Mariah and I obsess over we will be spilling the beans on all of it. I'm all about bean spilling. Yes. Well, thank you so much for spilling your beans with me today, This has been such an honor to be on... I love the podcast. I'm seriously a super fan. (laughs) To be on this podcast is amazing. So thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. I think we actually have a meeting to go to. So bye, everybody. Until next week.